0: Pray with me, would you? Thank you you that not only are you sovereign, not only do you hold our times and the circumstances that surround us, not only do you hold the nations in the palm of your hand, but God, in your mercy and grace, you allow us to glimpse you. You allow us to behold you. Now forgive us, God. For the many times when, like Peter, on the water, we look at the waves at our feet rather than gaze on the beautiful face of our Savior. God, forgive us for the times when when we're so full of ourselves that we think that we are sovereign. And, and we rule and reign over our lives when, in reality, God, we're helpless before you. And God, thank you that... You deign to enter into our world as messy as it is. You chose to become flesh and dwell among us. To enter into the fray. To, to bring hope, God, that, that one day all sin will be removed. One day the power of sin will be taken away. One day even the presence of sin will be removed from the earth. Until that day, God. Would you allow us to fix our gaze on you? Would you allow us to immerse ourselves, as, as Elder Chad encouraged us last week, to immerse ourselves in your word, to find our strength, our solace, but also our, our direction and purpose from your plan for our life. And then God, one day, we'll see that new Jerusalem coming down from heaven We'll see with our very eyes, God, you renew the face of the earth to create a new heaven and a new earth where there is no tear, where there is no sadness, where there is no brokenness and pain. Until that day, God, may we be a a foretaste. May we be your Holy Spirit's deposit in the world. May people see us and find hope. Because we have looked to something greater than ourselves. We've looked to something greater than our circumstances. And God, thank you that you invite us to bring our concerns to you. As we gather here, God, there are many. There are many right now grieving the loss of people that they love and care for. There are many people, Lord, fearful of the future, possibly because of illness and and the physical constraints of this life, many because of the financial insecurity of these days. God, I pray in Jesus' name that You would present Yourself so glorious that all those fears would be washed away. I pray that You would present Yourself so present, God, that with the saints who have gone before, we could just speak words to You. Father, we offer to You those precious words that Your Son Jesus taught us, saying together, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Would you uh, open the Word of God, however you access that, would you open to the book of Colossians, where we have been trying to... uh, to capture this incredible vision of Jesus that the Apostle Paul has been proclaiming. Oh, yeah, thank you. If you have children or you are a child that would like to join other children for a very special time of worship, you can meet your teachers and your friends in the back of the sanctuary, and we will look forward to seeing you at the end of the service. Thank you, Joe. The book of Colossians, we're going to pick up the story um, reminding you of... Uh, the passage that that Chad shared with us last week, and uh, beginning in chapter one, verse twenty-four, and we're going to go um, we're going to go um, to just a verse three today. Yeah, they, they were able to make that correction there. Just to verse three in chapter two. Hear the word of God, would you? Now Paul says, "I rejoice in my sufferings." Isn't that incredible? I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh, I'm filling up what was lacking in Christ's afflictions. Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body. That is the church of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you. To make the word of God fully known. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to the saints. Wow. That was one sentence, by the way. Whew. To them, to the saints, the Apostle Paul is saying, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of his glory. Again, that, as, as Chad reminded us, that's, that sounds mundane to us, but it was absolutely earth-shaking to them, right? How great among the Gentiles, among those who don't know God are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. And for this, the Apostle Paul says, I toil, I struggle with all my energy that God powerfully works within me. And then he continues, now I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you, he says. Now he's speaking to the people of Colossae and for, uh, excuse me, and for those in Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face. Here's, where, here's the way he struggles. That their hearts may be encouraged, be knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance and understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Wow. The very word of God. Flip over, would you just a couple of pages? um, Back to your left. Uh, There... Again, Paul wrote to the Ephesians, he wrote to the Philippians, he wrote to the Colossians, he wrote a, a kind of a different message to the Galatians, but, but there 's this commonality in all those books and in Ephesians chapter three, the Apostle Paul summarizes it uh, in, in a way in, in two verses that are that are very powerful i 'm reading from the ESV uh, right now I, I want to know. Christ, Him, and the power of His resurrection, and and that I may share in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Would you look in the inside uh, cover of your bulletin? This is our memory verse for today. Um, uh, would you read it with me the second time as I go through? that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and may share His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection of the dead. And the address, Philippians 3.10, the very Word of God. Well, thank you. Thank you, God. Oh, my goodness. Again, um, again, I'm so encouraged by your diligence in opening and studying and joining other people as they, as they open this very powerful book of Colossians and, and, and to study in depth this amazing vision of the Apostle Paul, of how, uh, going all the way back to Genesis 12, God's word is being fulfilled and the gospel, the good news, is being extended to all the corners of the earth, to every tribe and tongue and nation. We're so used to it. We come from every tribe and tongue and nation. But it was absolutely astounding news to him. But I love, I love also the way the Apostle Paul summarized that. I want to know Christ, right? It's almost like in saying that, then he recognizes that one of the only ways that you're going to know Christ is to share in his sufferings, right? I love the way that Chad helped us understand what Paul mean when he said, I'm filling up in my life, right? The the afflictions of Christ, your afflictions of Christ, right? Uh, I'm, I'm completing what was not yet finished. So should it be any surprise to us that we encounter, well, how did James put it, various trials, right? No. No, because God is entrusting those trials to us so that we can genuinely know Him better. If God did not withhold those trials from His only begotten Son, why would we expect that He would withhold them from from us as well? the goal of experiencing Christ's sufferings is that we would know him. I guess it makes me think for a second in your small group you'll explore this a little bit today and this week. but why do you exist <laughs> right? For what purpose has God placed you on this earth? For what what mission has he? Granted, if it was just as simple, I apologize for constantly coming back to this. But if it was as simple as coming to know Him, right, being saved, if it was as simple as as accepting by faith that Christ died for your sins, uh, then why would He leave us here, right? Um, he must have some purpose for the, for our presence right now, right? And I know it's really. Um, Challenging, especially then as you experience suffering, physical, emotional, spiritual suffering, it it is really easy to think, well, I must be somehow outside then the purposes of God. Because surely God would never want this for His children, right? I remember in so many weddings, I'm always, I'm always overwhelmed when I'm praying for that couple. I'm watching right in front of me this miracle of two lives becoming one, right? And, and I'm always so tempted. Oh, God, just uh, protect them, right? May they never know any suffering, right? May everything, how did that old Irish thing, may the road rise up to meet them, right? May everything just kind of fall into place for them. Yeah, everybody's shaking their head because... It, Not only does it not happen like that, but we above all people would be impoverished if it did, right? Uh, Instead, God allows us who have been called by the name of Jesus to, to experience what He's experienced. And somehow, through that trial, through that suffering, how did Paul put it in 3.10, to become like Him, in his death, right? To die to all those things which cannot provide, to all those things which distract, to to die to all the brokenness and pain and sin, not just of our own, but of other people for us. So, so the question I asked you was, why do you exist? When I tried to put those into words, I, I could not find a better expression of it than the founder, I believe. Um, why is it escaping me for a moment? Of navigators. I'm going have that wrong. Dawson Trotman. But when Dawson Trotman was trying to put maybe 50 years ago into words, God's purpose for his life, he said his purpose is to know Christ and to make him known. Right? Wow. Now, Implicit in all that is all that we've studied together, right? Um, That knowledge is not the first step. It's not information. Knowledge is the final step. You can have wisdom at your fingertips and you strive your entire life to understand the wisdom that has been handed to you in the book that is in front of you, right? But the goal of that wisdom, the goal of that understanding is to know in the most biblical sense of that way to experience God. I'm smiling because I was able to be on that retreat last night and just to see people experiencing some of them who thought that they were so far from God, that God could never, ever possibly love them and to see them experience that love, to watch them experience the power of the Holy Spirit, just a very precious gift. And I was trying to put into words... God's call in my life. I, I started with Dawson Trotman's about 40 years ago now. Dawson Trotman's words. I want to know Christ. And I want to make Him known. But I also want to know my wife. Right? And I want, I want to present her to God radiant. For a long time I tried to do that myself by spitting polish. She didn't appreciate that. Right? <laughs> I thought, somehow, maybe I can make her radiant. Maybe maybe my behavior can do it. And it was such a, a joy to finally lay down that burden and realize that only God could make her radiant. And all I could do is lift her up before the Lord, right? And he blessed me with a radiant pride, right? But I also wanted it for my children. Precious to have one of them in the room right now. I wanted I want to present like, like um, Job, right? I want to present my children to God blameless right blameless and now darn it if God didn't add five more names to my, my children list and, and my grandchildren I want to present them right you're starting to catch Paul's struggle for his Colossians he wants these things for his precious flock right he wants these things for people that he's not even met in person and he knows intimately, because he's brought them before the throne of grace. Wow, wow! That is what Paul is is crying out for for the Colossians. How do we take these? It's only about three sentences. <laughs> these elaborate and long and complicated <laughs> uh, sentences, and make them simpler. I'm laughing because Christian was giving me a hard time about about alliterating, but I'm gonna alliterate on you again this morning because it's so easier, so much easier for me to remember if I do. The first way that we can we can join Paul in this passion of his to present the bride of Christ radiant is to make the message known. To make the message known. In Colossians one two he says, I want to make the word of God Fully known, right? Fully known. Do you remember in Romans 10, most of us gravitate right away to, to Romans 10, 9 and 10, right? If we confess with our mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised Him from the dead, what happens? We shall be saved, right? But then He goes on. I mean, that's the danger of just plucking verses out of context. Then He goes on in, in Romans 10, and He says, but how are people... Gonna gonna be changed if they never hear, right? How how are people gonna know if they never hear? No no, I love Saint Francis' concept that that um, proclaim the gospel if necessary, use words, uh, and and I'm so grateful for the myriad ways that you congregation uh, by your actions proclaim the gospel, but. But it's just as important, especially when people see you and they see the gospel in you. They need words. They need to know the words. And so to be able to proclaim the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, to be able to proclaim the word of God is just a powerful thing. Paul wants to make the message known. No, it implies that this isn't in your notes, but if you have any space, you might jot it down. It implies that you're going to know the message yourself, right? You're going to spend time in the Word of God. That was Chad's challenge to us. You know, how are you going to include the Word of God in your life this coming week? How did that go? How did it go? Are you a little like me that, that I, I'm so inspired, right? When, when someone shares the Word of God with me, I say, oh yeah, I want to do that. And then squirrel, right? <laughs> then lunch, right? Um, there's no judgment or condemnation. But, it, but his challenge to us from Colossians 1 was to know that Word yourself. And he, he got pretty serious with us. Not just to have the word be a part of your life, but to meditate on it, right? To memorize it. Know the message yourself. I want to just add a couple of thoughts there, too. You've got to make the message known to your family as well. The primary way that you share the gospel with a world so desperately in need of it is by making it known to your family. By the way, um, as you can see with my growing family, that, that, what you initially think might be one spouse or three children then becomes 12 and 13 and 14 um, people. The, the word is multiplying. The primary way that you do that is by making that message known to your family. But I just want to remind you too of the full extent of that call. Make the message known in ever increasing spheres of influence. You remember in our study of Acts chapter 1, the disciples gathered around Jesus trying to wrap their brains around this absolutely incredible thought that he was going to go be with the Father and leave them to represent him in a world. They gathered around him and said, Lord, is this the time that you're going to restore the kingdom uh, to Israel? Is this the time? By the way, a lot of people in Israel are asking that. Lord, is this the time that you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? But do you remember what Jesus said? In verse 7 of Acts chapter 1, He said, It's not for you to know the kairos or the kronos, the times or the seasons, right, that the Father has set by His authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in ever-increasing spheres of influence, in the city in which you live, in the region which God has placed you, right? In, in, even in places where they don't receive you. And ultimately to the uttermost parts of the earth. You. 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 Many of us are, are in a latter season of our, our life, and it's so easy to say God must be done, right? Uh, this uh, this uttermost parts of the earth thing. I think I think I missed that train, right? No. No. We'll see many ways you could do that in a moment, but but first of all, we have to accept that call to know the message ourselves to to make that message known to our families, to to make the message known to the uttermost parts of the earth by ever-increasing spheres of influence. What I love about now in chapter 2 of Colossians, uh, that he shows us now not only the message and charges us to make the message known, but he actually shows us the method and charges us to make the method known, right? Now when Jesus walked... On the earth with his disciples, his method of ministry embodied the message that he preached. I know that went by really fast. Let me say it one more time. When Jesus walked the earth, his method embodied the message that he preached. His very life reflected The truth of the gospel, the message of the gospel was woven like fabric, the threads of grace and and love and and truth and forgiveness and mercy. Right. Jesus demonstrated in tangible ways each of those concepts so that the gospel was no longer just words on a page. It actually took on flesh and walked amongst us. Um. Wow, Paul's prayer for the Colossians is that um, not only would they make the message known, but they would make the method known. And he does it in a beautiful way that was really fresh for me. In Colossians 2, 1-2, through 2, he says, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not yet seen me face to face. Now, what is he struggling? What is he struggling for, that their hearts might be encouraged. Now, you're very familiar with it. On Tuesday when I was sharing this in the multiple contexts I do on Tuesday morning, I, I just rem- reminded them, right, that, that, um, that a heart is the center of your will. It's, it's not the center of your emotion. For, um, for a human being, your will is counseled by your emotions, and we never want to diminish that uh, uh, your emotions are a gift of God and and they counsel your will but your will is also counseled by your mind and and the apostle Paul especially he was a more cerebral kind of guy but, but he knew the importance of that because when your feelings are running rampant right it's your mind as you understand the Word of God that can can rein them in can say yeah let's take the energy that's coming from those feelings, but let's, let's make sure, um, by, with our minds, which are transformed, that it's in alignment with God's will. So, so the apostle Paul is, is, is saying, I want your heart in the truest sense of the world. I want your will to be encouraged. I, I don't know if you're like me, but, um, but sometimes I just get tired and, um, and I've recognized, as I get tired, that that um, that my responses um, aren't necessarily uh, joyful expressions of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then all, all of a sudden, someone will come along, and and they will speak to me. And they know me enough to speak to me, and they will give me a word of encouragement. Dun da da da! Right, put me in, coach. Right. Put me back in the game a minute ago. I was exhausted a minute ago. I could not see uh, over the obstacles that were in front of me. But now, just with simple encouragement that comes from someone else, I'm ready to get back in the game. Paul said one of the powerful methods that God enables us to, to bless other people is by words of encouragement encouragement. Let your hearts be encouraged. But, but then he goes on. Because um, one of the dangers, uh, in fact, one of the strategies of the evil one is to peel you off, to isolate you, to make you feel like, well, how'd the old thing go? I'm going to lose it. Nobody knows. Right? The trouble I've seen. Right? And, and, and we feel so alone. We feel so alone and and here 's the reality: you are never alone, right as the song continues, Jesus knows him, right so you 're not alone automatically, and he 'll never leave you or forsake you, but he called you to community so that you would know there 's a sister or there 's a brother who also knows and and is is standing with you right and I love the imagery that paul. Uses knitting our hearts together. So, Mary, what happens to you happens to me, right? The joyful things, I rejoice, but also the struggles and the trials, right? God created us in community for that reason. Paul prays, I pray, beloved, that your hearts may be knit together, right? Not only encouraged, but knit together, right? But then in this beautiful expression, He says, I want your hearts also to be assured, right? To reach all the riches, he says, of full assurance of understanding and knowledge. Wow. Wow. Over time, as we are encouraged through God's Word and by one another, over time, as our hearts are knit together in love, right? Nothing can separate us. Then also, we come to that place where we have His assurance. Now, not as an intellectual assent in our minds, but as an experience, we have this assurance. Oh my goodness, that's that's Paul's method. Make this method known. Use words of life, words of encouragement, entrust yourself with others in a way that your hearts can be knit together and rest on this foundation, the assurance of Jesus Christ. And that, that brings us to Paul's third M, if you'll forgive me again, not just that we want to make the message known and not just that we want to make the method known, but that we'll make the mystery known. Worship team, come on up if you would. Make the mystery. No, um, I know a lot of us, when we hear mystery, um, uh, I think of Agatha Christie. I don't know what you think of, right? Uh, whodunits, right? And, and it's not so far from that concept. I think the biblical concept of mystery, except in Agatha Christie, there are 50 people who could have done it, right? They're, seriously. Have you ever watched one of those? Read one of her books? There are 50 people who could have done it, and, and it all makes sense when she tells you, but there's no way in the world you're going to ever figure that out by yourself, right? Um, but in in scripture, and the kingdom of God, mysteries are designed to be known, to be understood. It's not like, well, I'm just going to leave you not knowing for the rest of eternity, right? No, no. When Paul uses the word mystery, it's saying something that you might not grasp right now is available to you and you can know this mystery. And there's two aspects of of this mystery that are critical. Now it's not going to be rocket science for you because most of you, many of you, have come to that place where you have grounded yourself on Jesus Christ. But the mystery is is, is spoken of in two contexts here. In verses two, uh, two through three of chapter two, uh, Paul says the knowledge of Christ's mystery, which excuse me, of God's mystery, which is Christ. The Messiah has come and in Him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. There will be no mystery any longer when we look to Christ. And I know you know that. But, but do you live that, right? Do you live that? Or like I was confessing to you earlier in this service, do you crawl back up there on the throne and wrestle the reins, i mixing my metaphors, away from Him, and only call out on Him when you get desperate. The Apostle Paul says, I want you to make that mystery of Christ known. Everything you need, everything our families need, everything the uttermost parts of the world need is in Christ. And there's this precious insight. You've heard it a couple times already in our study of Colossians. But he's saying there's a there's a further mystery about Christ, and that is the mystery of Christ in us. Christ in us. Again, right about now, many of you are going, no way, no way would Christ take up residence in this heart. No way would he take up residence in in this mind and i would i would just challenge you when you entrusted your life to christ you received his forgiveness for sins past present and future and god made you here it comes righteous right god made you righteous christ is pleased to dwell in you who by faith have entrusted your life to. He's pleased to do that, right? And, and, and why is he so pleased? Besides the joy of him dwelling in you. Remember the purpose thing we started with? Because then wherever you go, wherever you go, Christ goes as well. I'm starting to hear one word in common over and over and over. Not just in the letter to Colossians, but, but in life. Christ. How did the reformers put it? Uh, sola Christus, right? I always think of your husband, because he always loves to tell us the five solas, right? Um, sola Christus, Christ alone. So let me just finish by by asking is Christ in you right Now some of you are going well isn't he seated at the right yeah he is physically seated at the right hand of God the Father but he left his holy spirit to dwell in us by faith right Cuz you're going to go out these doors in a few moments you're going to go back to your homes for some of us, are going to go back to a lonely place where where in the past we've been overwhelmed by doubts and concerns, right? Others of us are going to go back to a hectic place where, where our family's schedules are just driving our agenda. Uh, some of you are going to go back to workplaces where Jesus isn't known and you're going to feel so very alone. Jesus Christ is all you need in Christ alone. This, how does the song put it? Our hope is found, right? God, thank you so much for Jesus. Let me stop for a second and just tell you, as, as I was thinking about this, I, I understand if you have not come to that place, if someone were to say to me, forgive me, if someone were to say to you, have you put your trust in Joseph Smith, right? I would I would say, no, right? If someone were to come up to me and say, oh, you should really put your trust in Mohammed, Right or 50 other things vying for you. So I understand if you're not at that place yet. But I also know that if you ask God to reveal Himself, He will. I know that if you seek the truth, you will find it. And the truth will set you free. So God, I thank you for those who have put their trust in Christ. Like myself, God, I just ask that I can, if you would, gently, God, ever so gently, you would just remove all those other support mechanisms by which I've been holding myself up and allow me to rest in Christ and Christ alone. But God, also, I just invite you, if you would, to move among this sanctuary, to move through the Internet, God, as people are watching online And if anyone has not come to that point, would you grant them the gift of faith? God, would you allow them to put their weight down on Christ and Christ alone? And then, God, as we leave this place, I just pray that you would allow us to stand straight, knowing that our righteousness is not in ourselves; it's in Jesus. That you would allow us to risk speaking Jesus to ourselves, to our families, and to a world that so desperately needs to know Him. And God, would you bring us back together next week to celebrate the, the lives that have been changed. And God, we'll give you the praise and the glory in Christ's name. Amen. Would you stand with us? Let's, uh, let's anchor ourselves in these truths.